ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. Jordan Lorenz here, UWGB Manitowoc freshman at the campus, maybe a future GG, huh, at Ottawa? I don't, I don't know, just throwing it out there, just throwing it out there. I'm joined by the one and only Drew Skyberg. I'm Drew Skyberg. I'm a, I'm a future University of Wisconsin Panther graduate, maybe. And maybe I could go to Ottawa with Jordan Lorenz. We could yeah, right. party there. Go to Ottawa Senators game with me. That'd be fire. Do some hockey. Maybe get enough. There will be some hockey talk today here coming up. But first, before we get going, we just wanted to say that our episode today is dedicated to Oscar Fryer. He was the Grand Canyon basketball player. If you haven't heard about his death yet, very, very tragic. He's just 23 years old. He died in a car accident just days after Grand Canyon lost to Iowa in the first round. It had nothing to do with drugs, nothing to do with a suicide or anything like that. It was just a terrible accident. Him, his sister, and one other person in the car ended up dying in that. So three people dead due to that car crash. Our episode today, Drew, we figured it's only fitting to dedicate it to him and his family, especially just tragic, tragic loss. Of course, that's tragic accident and that's just nothing we want to wish upon anyone and that's horrible and our hearts go out to his family his friends couldn't say it any better myself but I did want to give a shout out Elmbrook Swim Club very very odd you're probably like what is going on here but hey I was in Florida as you know the last week that's why we had our modified episode with the interview and as I was getting on the plane back to Milwaukee they were there there was the whole swim club there they're from Brookfield I'm pretty sure and they'd uh, force them get gold. So they did good at Florida. So good job, Elmbrook Swim Club. I mean, hey, we're shouting out all the sports here. So give that a go. Speaking of my UFC 260 recap, most likely is up because we're recording this Friday night, actually. So the UFC pay-per-view is tomorrow as we're recording. But you're listening to this on Monday or sometime during the week. That UFC 260 recap should be up on Sunday. Pending everything goes well, I don't think I'll be going anywhere. I think I'll be right home watching it. And Drew, I want you to Google UFC 260. And I want you to try and pronounce the names of the two fighters in the main event. You'll see them. They're kind of odd. I really just want to hear you try and pronounce these names. Let's hear this. For you. For the heavyweight uh, championship. Miocic. Stipe Miocic. Miocic's. Okay. And? Nagano. Yeah, that's pretty good. Francis Nagano and Stipe Miocic in the main event. I could commentate UFC. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's what you think, huh? Yep. I don't know about that, but yes, those are the two fighters, the big rematch in the main event. My pick is Francis Nagano. I think he's going to win the belt. We'll see what happened because that'll have happened by now. And also, Drew, before we get going, we just wanted to say our interview from last week with Robert. I've heard some good feedback. What about you? I've heard some great things. Everyone loves Robert Schimmick. As we know, he's a fan favorite with the EWC basketball page. And as you guys heard last week with the football page, maybe upcoming, we're definitely going to try to have him on in the fall to talk about that. Yeah, that would be huge if he did start that for EWC for football. We'll talk about ships football coming up. Ooh, boy, oh boy, we got some things to say about that. But yeah, again, we apologize. Robert's interview was, or not interview, his internet wasn't the greatest, but you got exactly what he was saying. There's only a few spots where it cut out. Otherwise, I think it was a tremendous, tremendous interview for our first one. I think everything went smoothly. It all went to plan. And just like that, we're moving on this day in history, the date today, March 29th. And I think you're going to notice a theme with this week's On This Day in History, a big one to start on this day, 
1941, now listen to this, the third NCAA men's basketball championship, Wisconsin beats Washington State 39-34. Wisconsin winning a championship, Drew, back in 41? Yeah, that's crazy. It had a girls basketball score with it, though. So, I mean, yeah, 39-34. But when we were at state, I mean, those state scores from way back in the day, they were low <laughs> for high school basketball. Basketball is crazy how much it's grown. Some of the March Madness games now, they've got 60 points at halftime. Like, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, Gonzaga put up 98. I mean, offense, offense is the game these days. Yeah, defense wins championships. I don't know about that anymore because they're putting up just crazy, crazy numbers. On this day in 1976, the 38th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, Indiana beats Michigan 86-68. And that was the first time two teams from the same conference played in the title game. Obviously, both those teams from the Big Ten. On this day in 1982, the 44th NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, North Carolina beats Georgetown in a close one, 63-62. The Tar Heels getting that win. And on this day in 1999, the 61 or the 61st NCAA Men's Basketball Championship as Connecticut UConn beats Duke 77-74. And that says it's the Huskies' first title in first title game. So big win there for Connecticut. I mean, Drew, we're looking at these teams. A lot of them are still very competitive teams, and you're going back all these years. Up next is our weekly sports talk segment. And there's, we're going to shift from basketball to football to start. Like I said, we're recording this Friday night, so we are fresh off the Lincoln Ship's first football game of the year. It is a modified season. They have five regular season games. Tonight was their only non-conference game. It's the FRC season to four groups, I'm pretty sure. There's group A, B, C, and D. Fond du Lac, it's the team Lincoln played tonight. Fond du Lac is in group A. The ships are in group C. So, I mean, I don't want to say this game didn't matter, but it didn't matter probably as much as you would think. Regardless, final score, 63-7. to Manitowoc Lincoln comes up short in their first game. It was at home, a rather cold night at Ron Rubick Field. Brett Prangy on the second play of the game had a huge 50-plus yard run. Things were looking good. I was into it. I was excited. And then Drew... Braylon Allen took over. Yeah, what that's my guy. Kid? Um, he had th- okay. He had the three touchdowns in the first quarter. He's a strong runner, as we know. He he's a Madison recruit. I believe he signed with Madison already. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's committed. Yeah, he's the third. He's like the third Wisconsin recruit in the state. Like 24 seven sports. He's big name. He had offers from like Notre Dame, Michigan. I think Michigan State maybe like big, big schools. They all wanted him. And we saw he had an interception later in the game. He had he had those devastating runs. He had some stiff arms. We saw guys on the ground. And he's just a tough runner. He's really tough. And that, that was a quite the guy. Yeah, he is huge, too. Very, very tall. And he was running through him like crazy. Fond du Lac was 9-2 and two last year. They're coming into this season. The ships, they made it to the playoffs last year. They were 4-6, and six, I'm pretty sure, in their first-year head coach, Greg Enns. And, they made it to the playoffs. I was at that game in Mequon. I think it was 35-7 they ended up losing, but we went crazy when they scored a touchdown in the final two minutes. This game was the opposite. The ship scored right away and didn't score. Fond du Lac put up 63 unanswered points after the ship scored on that second play of the game. Got to give it to Kyle Wall Jasper as well. He threw for two touchdowns and ran for three. So 
Their quarterback for Fond du Lac did some great, great things. Ships end up on the losing end here. They play at home once again next week. We'll try and cover the ships all season long. We have no reason not to. I mean, they're the only team playing football right now in the spring year. So we're going to give it up to them. Hopefully they can rebound and get back on track next week. But a bad, bad loss here to start things for the season. Next up, we're going to stick with football. We just wanted to mention this real quick, Drew. We talked about it before, about how Aaron Rodgers is taking up a ton, a ton of money. And there's rumors going around that the Packers are trying to reconstructure his contract. Big question here is, do you think anything is actually going to come of this? I think I think they might, again, because, like, Rodgers, obviously we know he wants to win. And I think when you can reconstruct a contract and, you know, maybe free up some space for, for bringing some more guys – I think that's certainly going to be a possibility I look into. Just a matter of if he's willing to take that. Arguably, would be a pay cut to, in order to like get some new players. So I think it just depends on how Rogers feels about it. You know, he's going to be on Jeopardy in a few weeks. Maybe you know he gets some money from that. Maybe he realizes, hey, I can give up some money to free up some space for some players. I think that's one of the things a lot of people give him crap for is how much money he takes up on the team. But if he takes, I'm, I would assume it'd be a few million dollars. I don't think it's going to be anything massive, but I'm assuming you're like looking in that $4 million range, something around there. But what do I know? Regardless, Aaron Jones has officially signed the dotted line. He's back with the Packers for that 40 some million dollar deal. So Packers, they're coming back this year. I just saw it this morning though, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all of their starters are returning, and it was the first time in like 40 years when every single starter, offense and defense, we're talking all 22 guys are back for Tampa Bay. So that is going to be an unstoppable team that we have to look out for. Crazy, crazy stuff. And the last thing, football, we wanted to talk about our Glacier boys. They came up short in the People's Championship. I didn't watch the game. I was on vacation, but it was a crazy game. They ended up losing 46-40. On a last-second play, they were up by over 14 points. Drew, they couldn't pull it out. Let's just give our final thoughts on season 1.0 of the FCF. I think the FCF went very well this year. I think with like how they're broadcasting on Twitch, I know I, we complain about it, but I think that's the safest way to broadcast it. And I really like the idea of like we, the fans, are involved in it, and I – I encourage all of you guys to get the fan control football app today, sign up, choose your team. Cause like, it's, it's a cool idea. It's a great idea. And the more people that have participate, the more fun it's going to be. And I'm really excited for season two. I think it's probably not going to happen, but I think they can almost have two seasons a year because the seasons are six weeks long. So like if you have one season right now around this time, and then one season, even in late summer, you know, like July, August, September, something like that. I feel like if you have two, six week blocks a year, that's not going to hurt you because that's only 12 weeks out of 52. I think that's something to look into. But yeah, like you said, the Twitch thing, we've always sort of complained about, but they're catering towards a certain audience. It's working because some of these games are getting big numbers on Twitch and who knows what the future is going to be. I'm assuming they're going to stay on Twitch for a while yet. But like you said, I do like the interaction. Fans get to choose things. They got to choose the championship name of the game. They got to choose the names of the teams. They get to invest in these teams. You can put money into them and stuff. I mean, there's all sorts. They got to design the championship shirts. I don't know if you saw them, but none of them are good. They're pretty rough. <laughs> they got to design those. I won't be buying any of them for sure. But other than that, yeah, I think 
one of my big critiques, the, the announcers were okay. They weren't too bad, but the camera angles were rough sometimes. Like when they would throw deep passes down the field, you wouldn't be able to tell what was happening. You'd have to rely on just the announcers to tell you, but even they were confused sometimes. And other than that, I don't really have too many complaints. They changed the, they changed the rules one week from one game to another. So like the first game, they noticed something. It was with um, late in the halves. I'm pretty sure when they had the running clock, but then they stopped it at one minute. I'm pretty sure the first game they were stopping it at a minute, but they realized that minute was taking like 10 minutes. So then the second game, they changed it to 30 seconds. So I didn't like that at all. Changing the rules from game to game in the same week. I don't think that's fair, but other than that, I liked the season overall. It's very snackable, six weeks long, four regular season games. And then the, whoever finishes first, they got to pick their opponent. And that's that for the FCF. We'll be back talking about them soon. We wanted to be talking about the XFL, but I don't know when that'll be happening. We're just crossing our fingers and hoping and praying for that. So switching gears here. This is an NHL situation. I don't think you're too aware of what happened with this referee Tim Peel so I'm going to catch you up and all of you here at home so Tim Peel he is a referee for the NHL 53 years old he officiated over a thousand games and this was going to be his last season so he said at the start of the year I'm retiring this is my last year and there's a big instance that or the big thing that happened in a game with the Nashville Predators and Detroit Red Wings there was a call it was a tripping call um, and what would happen was it was a little bit of a flop, you know, flops happen in all the sports. So some people weren't too happy with the call. And then about three minutes later, the camera caught referee Peel saying it wasn't much, but I wanted to get an effing penalty against Nashville early. And that got picked up on the broadcast. So Peel, it was like the next day he was gone. The NHL said, uh-uh, we're not having that anymore. You're not going to be with us. Um, they said nothing's more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. His conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence to that cornerstone principle that we demand for our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve. Makeup calls, Drew, they're, na- they're the name of the game. They happen in all the sports, but you can't blatantly say this on air. You're a future official yourself. I mean, I don't think you're going to be getting into this kind of trouble. Yeah, in my youth games, you know, I might have to maybe call make a few makeup calls with a block and incidents, but I don't think I can uh, say it, oh, it's a flop or I want to, um, I want to get this team penalized. So I'm going to call it one way. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand his thinking Nashville won the game two zero anyway. So it's not like that call made the difference, but still you just, if you're going to make a makeup call, make it and move on. You don't say it to another. I don't even know who he said it to, if it was another official or what, but minutes later he said it and it got picked up and, that's the end of him. So maybe he was looking for a way. I would even want to finish the year. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. Regardless, he, he obviously wasn't thinking. Oh, it's- yeah, obviously not at all. It's one of those situations where like you put in your two weeks and you're like, they can't fire me no matter what I do. And then, well, he got fired. So next up, what we wanted to talk about is NBA. There's a big free agency that happened soon. It was like the biggest free agency in a long, long time, if not ever. Drew, you're going to take over here. You got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're just going to probably mention the main things but say what you want so i'm going to mention a few main trades that happened during the day and the first one i'm going to start with it happened in the morning it was the nikolai vucevic trade and this one sparked my attention right away when i see the bulls it was with the bulls and the magic and the bulls acquired nikolai vucevic and alfa rukavinu and the magic got wendell carter jr Otto porter 
a 2021 first round pick and a 2023 first round pick. And I just think what the Magic were able to get for, I, I understand Nikola Vucevic is a great player. And but what they were able to get with like the draft picks and they were able to get Wendell Carter Jr. himself. And then also Otto Porter, who's really involved just for money because just his contract, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind, it's kind of high. Yeah, a little hefty. Yeah, so I'm thinking in this trade, I really think the Magic kind of, kind of won this trade here. And I'm, ESPN agrees with me. They say the Magic won the trade too. Always good to have ESPN agree yeah, with you. Yeah, ESPN's on my side on this one. I just feel like the Bulls, <laughs> the Bulls with the first round picks they gave up, I don't, I don't think it was really worth it because I feel like the Bulls are kind of like, they're, they're not a team that's going to compete in the East. I don't, I don't understand why they would do this trade here, but I mean, they got Nicole, they got an All Star, so I mean. Yeah, you're getting an all-star, but you're also giving up some future potential with those picks. I think some people underestimate draft picks once in a while, and they kind of just throw them around in these trades. Yep, and then the next trade I want to talk about that really sparked my attention was the Victor Oladipo trade, where the will be the Heat and Rockets. So as we know, the Rockets, they went on that 20-game losing streak. They finally won. But it was kind of um, quite the trade, considering the Heat, they've been on fire lately, and they got Victor Oladipo for... Avery Bradley, Kelly Olynyk, and a 22 first round swap rights. So that's like with the with the pick protection. And I just feel like what they gave what the Heat gave up was like they fleeced them. They fleeced the Houston Rockets. Considering Oladipo was a part that they got in the James Harden trade with that big member of the big like three four team trade. They oh yeah. Had. And I I just I can't see why the Rockets would do this trade. I understand, like they, they're, all, they're trying to just get assets, but they really they got Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk. That's not really those aren't long term pieces by any means. No, not at all. Those are kind of dying down. Those two, especially. And then the final trade I would like to talk about today is a Nuggets Magic trade involving Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark to the Denver Nuggets. Aaron Gordon, the former dunk contest winner, right? Yep. Yes, sir. He had that iconic dunk, you know, with the mascot, of course. Yes. Then the Orlando Magic acquire Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a 2025 protected first round pick. And I think, I don't know, I feel like this trade, it was kind of even, but kind of not with considering the Nuggets got Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark. So they covered some need with, with some size and then with Gary Clark, you know, for some perimeter shooting. And I just feel like with the Magic, they really, they got... They got Gary Harris, they got RJ Hampton, but they just I don't know. It doesn't really fit what they need. They got a they got one draft pick, which I mean that's that's good because like as you were talking about building out into your future, that's kind of where the magic are. You considering they just traded Nikola Vucevic. But I, I don't understand what they got in return. Why would they why are they going for Gary Harris, RJ Hampton? I just feel like that wasn't they're not addressing really. They should have going for more draft picks not for more players like for like more like they're really just players to like fill roster spots until they get draft picks makes sense makes sense yeah so i espn agrees with me on this one too which i'm glad they do oh good good gave the nuggets an a minus they gave the magic a c so i'm glad espn's on my side on this one because at first like i thought like i saw some people talk about this trade i thought they were talking about how Magic, nice job, Magic. You got draft pick. You got draft pick. You got you got Hampton and Harris who have potential. And I'm I don't know. I just glad he gets on my side. Like I said, but I just I don't know. 
I don't know about that trade. Some interesting trades at the deadline is what I'm hearing here. And we're going to have a lot of NBA talk come playoffs time. I know we got a guest plan for that. So stay tuned because once NBA gets in the nitty gritty, as they say, we'll, we'll be talking about it and focusing on it a lot more. So next, we want to shift gears down a step. We go from professional sports to college sports. Drew, Shaka Smart, heading to Marquette. They wasted no time to replace Wojo. They found a replacement, this man from Texas. If you aren't aware, the number three seed Texas this year, they ended up losing their first round game to Abilene Christian. Big problem right out of the gate, Drew. Shaka Smart doesn't have a single tournament win with Texas under his resume. I think that's the only thing that stands out as bad because that was the thing with Wojo. He didn't have any tournament wins. So he got rid of him smart. Potentially might run into the same problem. I, I hope that's not the case, like you said, but like with Shaka Smart, he, we know he was a part of that BCU team. He was the head coach when they made that final four run in 2011. So he has some tournament experience, but I know when he went to a program like Texas, you're expected to win and he didn't win. And that's just, that got it. That, they parted ways, and then he he's coming to Marquette. And I, I like the guy. He's um or, Oregon, Wisconsin native. I think that's Wisconsin native. I think that probably draw, drew some attraction. And then also, you know, why would you not want to play for – or not play, but coach for like Marquette, considering they play in the Pfizer form. You play in this great arena. You have all these great accessories. you got the locker room. It's just it's – a, it's a fantastic place to play at. And with a program like Marquette that – put so much money into their program. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be a part of that. And I feel like that's how he thought. And now I think really the goal for Shaka Smart is really to retain talent like Dawson Garcia, DJ Carton, and Justin Lewis as this is, this is the time where people transfer. I know Trevor Anderson's transferring from Wisconsin. And I just, I think that what Shaka needs to do, he needs to prevent these guys from transferring because the foundation's there. Wojo got some of the guys to recruit. Did they just, we just got to make that next step now. Amari Davis from UWGB. He, he, we've talked about him a little bit. He transferred too. He's going to Missouri now. I wasn't the biggest Davis oh, wow. fan, but still, yeah, he's going to Missouri. So a transfer for him. But yeah, back to Marquette. I mean, smart. He's 44 on in about a week. So he's getting up there in age, but still, you mentioned the VCU run. You got to keep in mind, that's over 10 years ago at this point. So it is a while ago, and we're just hoping that He's going to come. He's already got his profile picture as the Marquette logo on his Twitter, and he's got the Pfizer forum up there as well. So he's committed. He's into this. Like you said, I think the Wisconsin native thing, I think that was big, and that's a big selling point as to how we got him. We just got to give him a clean slate and hope for the best when he's at Marquette because if you've got a fresh coach in and the players are motivated, you got a motivated coach with a chip on his shoulder, I think things can go extremely well. We're just going to have a positive look on it. And we're not going to be negative and look at his tournament wins. We're just going to let him prove it for himself. Give it a few years at Marquette. And we'll see what he can do. Hoping for the best, obviously. Shifting gears now to baseball. If you haven't noticed our weekly sports talk, we like to organize it by sports. We'll do one thing at a time and move over so it isn't as all over the place and jambled. But last thing is baseball. Our, we're going to end on our Brewers preview as it is opening week. But first, I want to mention the Manitowoc Bandits. I'm the PA announcer for the Bandits. So, team here in Manitowoc they play at Municipal Field 7:30 first pitch for most of their games just some big things to look out for the play ball tournament on May 23rd three games will be at Municipal Field at 11:1 and 3 so the first games happen on May 22nd if the bandits make it out of that first day then they'll play in the final four and hopefully championship for the play ball tournament that's the inaugural play ball tournament it's replacing the or it's replacing the Lakeshore Invitational 
So we got a new fresh tournament. Bandits' first home game, June 11th. On Friday, they'll be hosting Algoma, 7.30 first pitch for that game. Ashwabanam Lookouts are a new team in this league. The, they've gone under, under some new management for the Shoreland League, and boy, oh boy, they have a beautiful website that got posted, and everything's going to be stats, schedules. It's all going to be up there. It's going to be super easy to figure everything out. Rosters as well. I've had a lot of troubles with rosters, with just not being able to figure out people's names and stuff, but it's all going to be up there. It's a beautiful look. Military Day for the Bandits, July 10th. That's a doubleheader starting at 4. They play Casco in 6. They play Kiwani. So 12 league games this year, seven teams in the league. Bandits, back-to-back Shoreland League champions. We're going to look to three-peat this year and drew i know i'm gonna bring you to a couple games we'll have some fun in muni i'm excited i know with the bandits like you talk about they have had recent success and i'm hoping for that 3p too i love some summer baseball and it doesn't get better than that yeah there's only seven or six or seven or eight home games i don't know it's somewhere around there so gotta get down to municipal field support the bandits buy some merch buy some concessions do all that fun stuff it's a really fun team and they've had success like you said it's no fun watching a team lose 63 to seven, but it's really fun watching a team win like 11 to zero in the championship game. I mean, these bandits are hot and a team we're hoping that's going to be hot. The Milwaukee Brewers. We're wrapping up our sports talk segment this week with the Brewers. Drew's flash in his notes. I'm just going to real quick, Freddie Peralta. He got named as the starter in not the starter, but he's in the five for this Brewers team. And they've got Woodruff, Burns, Hauser. I mean, they've got some talent. Anderson as well. Can't forget about him and now Peralta. So that's five starting pitchers right there. They've got some decent relievers. Obviously you've got Hader and they've got a team that has Wong. They've got uh, JBJ now. So this team has potential. They didn't make all the moves we wanted, but what are we thinking for the Brewers this year? What's their potential? So first Jordan, I'm going to touch on what you mentioned with JBJ, because it seems like whenever we talk about stuff on this podcast, they do the opposite, and we're always wrong, is what I figured out. And right. So with JBJ, now we have an issue with he might not be ready for opening day with with some uh, wrist soreness or wrist tightness. So now the depth is already being tested early because Canes had limited at bats because he and we gotta remember he he opted out of all last year. He has twelve at bats only this spring. He might not even be ready for opening day. So now we're stuck with hey, we had all these outfielders that we were talking about. What what are they doing? And now. Oh, look, they just proved us wrong again. Yeah, I don't understand it at all. I mean, you've got Kane, like you said, opted out last year. He's going to have to get uh, used to the swing of things once again, get back in it. Who knows what's going to happen with JBJ? And like we said, when he got signed, he's not the best hitter anyways. It's not like he's someone we're going to rely on. Yelich is coming off the biggest slump in baseball history. Okay, maybe that's an over-exaggeration, but still, he slumped hard last year. Then you've got Garcia in the outfield as well. He's solid. He's pretty good. But other than that, I mean, hey. We're just hoping that this team can turn some things around. I know some projections are saying that we're going to win the central. That is exactly right. We're hoping that's the case because, I mean, you've got the Cardinals, Cubs, not sure what's going to happen with those teams this year. In my opinion, it feels like the central's up in the air. The central really is one of those top. Every year it's a toss-up division because. Very true. Like recently with the Brewers, they've been always up there. We've always had the Cardinals or like the Cubs are always flirting with that. And it just feels like. They're projected 89 and 73 and they give MLB gives us a 55% chance to win the division, which I, I kind of see why they do that with the Kane opt out. And with, like you said, Yelich with that slump last year, they, cause they're predicting Kane being back, of course, new additions, 
improved pitching. And yeah, like I said, Yelich, Yelich bounce back. That's really the whole thing here. Because if you have Yelich performing at MVP level again, you're going to be projected to win the division. It's just because the, with the central, it's, it's kind of like, you, it's kind of weak with like the pirates are kind of struggling. The reds lost a few guys. Cubs lost a few guys. And now with the Cardinals, they just, it seemed like MLB, they don't value the, like, obviously they got Nolan Arenado. That's incredible with him and gold. Huge. They have solid pitching staff. It's it's possible those two teams are the two teams that compete for the division all year, which I could totally see happening. Yeah, it seems like it might go back and forth. And, you know, I keep saying we're up in the air, but we are because how's our starting pitching going to do? We've got guys that we know are pretty solid, but how are they going to end up performing? Sometimes Woodruff has really, really good days. And then sometimes he's done in two, three innings because he's just off. So Peralta, he's hit or miss as well. I feel like Anderson's always pretty solid. Hauser, interesting. And then our relievers too. Sometimes they have the game of their life. And sometimes we go through like literally five in a game. And that's no exaggeration because it's just a matter of this team. They're hit or miss. They always, one of the things I've noticed though lately, they always show up in September. When it matters most, this team is hot. They come up clutch. And that's been what's keeping us alive these past few years. Hopefully we can clinch that central pretty early on so we don't have to worry about it. And then we can just do our thing and actually make a run in the playoffs because it's been a while since we've done that. And sir, if I hear correctly, you might be going to opening day. That is true. I am going to opening day. Very excited. Maybe I give a recap for episode four. Uh, it's going to be a great time. 12,000 fans only. And then we have, so there's some, there's a lot of protocols actually. You have to, no, no money's allowed. It has to be all digital. So you got to bring your cards and stuff. Only one beverage allowed per person. No snacks. They're really cracking. No snacks? No snacks this year. Nope. They got the cracking down. They're trying to prevent this spread. And their goal is to allow more fans in. So, like, we're at 12,000 right now. The goal is maybe, like, 20,000 by the end of the year. They really want to get more people in. And they believe by setting those protocols, that's going to increase their chances for having Milwaukee allowing them to have – 20,000, maybe, maybe more. Hey, UFC 261, Dana White just sold out, I think it's 12,000 in an indoor arena. He sold out an indoor oh. arena. 12,000 fans are going to Jacksonville, Florida for UFC 261 with three title fights. So if we can get 12,000 at an outdoor, I can only imagine what's going to happen here. It's just a matter of if these guys are going to show up or not because fans, you got to let them hear it. You got to be loud. 12,000 in an outdoor stadium like American Family Field. Might not sound like a whole lot unless you're loud and rowdy. So just get into it, enjoy it. There's going to be a ton of Brewers talk here on the podcast. And we're both pretty big baseball guys. So we'll be looking forward to that. And Drew, are you looking forward to trivia? You've got I'm a chance ready. to redeem yourself from last okay. week. Your one point loss. That was, that was horrible. I lost by a point to EW, Mr. EWC basketball himself. And I hung in there so well. You did. Yeah, almost got an upset. I just want to say, first of all, at the Ships game, it was on Radio Plus. They, like, stream the games online on YouTube, so they got video and audio. They did at halftime. They did a trivia thing where you emailed and your answer. I emailed right away. I won the trivia. I won the free Taco Bell. You have to go to Fond du Lac to pick it up, though. I'm not going to be making that drive for probably, like, a free taco or something. So not going to make the drive, but bragging rights. I won trivia on the ships and opening game of this modified season on radio. Plus I say all that as the wheel is spinning, there's only four options now on the wheel. It's getting smaller. And ooh, I mentioned this one might be kind of hard before we went yes. on college mascots. 
I love college mascots. I'm so excited. Okay. I don't I don't think it's gonna be awful actually now that I look at the ones I chose. You might go five for five. You might go five for five. We're gonna see. This will probably be our quickest trivia to date. College mascot number one, Sparty. Michigan State. Sooner Schooner. Oklahoma. Big J. Kansas. Otto the Orange. Syracuse. Demon Deacon. Uh, Duke. Wake Forest. It's the Duke Blue Devils, you idiot. Ah! Four of five. We're still waiting on that perfect five of five, but hey, we'll take a four of five. I didn't realize that I made them that easy, but hey, whatever. It's still fun. Four of five, 80%. We're getting up there. Not a bad day at the office. You're what now? You're five of five, four of five. So that's nine out of 10 and then six, 15 out of 20. Does that sound right? Something like that. Yeah. 15 out of 20 through four. That's not bad. Not bad. What's that? 90 out of a hundred, I think. So not a bad day or that's 80. I don't know. Whatever. 15 out of 20. That's 75%. Yeah, you're right. That's three out of four. Oh, you. Oops. Oh, well, that's why I dropped AP Calc. Other than that, we're done here. That was our, We had a long weekly sports talk, but there was a lot to talk about earlier in the week. I was like, oh, I don't know that we're going to have too much, but hey, we covered, we made it all work here on the podcast as we usually do. Episode three is complete. Drew, what you got for us? That was quite the episode. I'm excited for episode four next week. Maybe special guest, maybe not. We'll see. We don't want to have too many special guests. We don't want to run through them all. But I know I told you a special guest that I think we're going to have in a few months. And that's going to be big. And I think I can make it happen. So, indeed, we will see. Go listen to that UFC 260 recap. I'm assuming it's up. If not, then I just got lazy and didn't record one. But there should be a recap up there. If I notice, if we notice those aren't doing well after time, I'll just stop doing them. I won't waste my breath on you guys. Follow me on Twitter at JordanLaw underscore PXP. I never specified but my name is spelled J-O-R-D-O-N, if you haven't noticed. So, I mean, I'm waiting for those Twitter followers. And if you haven't spelled it right, now you have J-O-R-D-O-N-L-A-W underscore P-X-B. Drew, you? It's like Drew Sky 10 or something. Uh, so, I'm going to advertise a snap this week. Uh, Drew Sky oh. D-R-E-W-S-K-Y-B-E-R-G. No spaces, no underscores, no capital letters. Nope, none at all. And that is going to wrap things up for episode three, a longer one, but a good one at that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.